Hi, this is Cole, and this is social distancing. Did I do that right? Episode 24. Long live Uncle Bill's. This is my nephew, Cole. Cole's dad is my oldest brother, Kelly, who is 19 years older than me. Which means that Cole, at the age of 19, is closer in age to me than I am to my own brother. You and I didn't really have much of a relationship until your parents divorced, Mm -hmm. I would say. Yeah. How old were you and your parents split when they like got the divorce i think i was like on the cusp of like th- i i think it was fourth grade i was in the fourth grade okay. yeah yeah and so it was it was around that time i middle school is kind of when i really remember yeah you know, us becoming closer friends you were kind of growing out of the sports phase and growing into the music phase yeah i think i was like for my 12th birthday you know my dad was like suggesting things and he was like well what if we got you like a guitar and you started learning how to play guitar and I, you know obviously like i grew up playing guitar hero and you know my dad's really into music and i was always listening to music you know always had some kind of music on and so i was like yeah for sure like that's something i want to try and that's also when i remember like really connecting with you more because that was something that you were super interested in too. At that time I was going to school and playing music. Yeah. And so I think that was that was that connection too. I remember around that age, the time you started playing music, you were starting to get some guitar gear and you started reaching out to me and saying like, hey, I'm thinking about getting this pedal. What do you think? I'm, you know, I'm I'm looking at this kind of stuff. What do you think? And so it was really like music that brought us together. Yeah. I think for me, the thing that like sealed our relationship the most was going to see the Jack White concert. Absolutely. Yes. Great show. And I, I, yeah. And that was a fantastic show too. And I remember like us going to do that. I remember like dad coming to the old house that you, or the old apartment you were renting in St. Louis and like picking you up and we went out to eat and stuff like that. But I, I, I distinctly remember like two other things that really like made me be like oh yeah Matthew is dope one for like my 13th birthday you got me a tablature book of Metallica's The Black Album (laughs) which was badass and then you got my dad um the Black Keys El Camino album on CD and I remember like taking that thing and just playing the hell out of it because it was just so awesome and like I didn't have any exposure to music music like that and just remember being like this is the coolest shit I ever heard you know and like (laughs) so Matthew's got to be doing something right there was this wasn't that long ago this was in 2016 the summer of 16 I think you were in St. Louis with your dad and your stepmom and your dad invited me to come hang out with the three of you And I said, I'd love to, but I bought tickets to go to a concert and Emily and I are going to be going to that. And he said, oh, that's not a big deal. You know, if you want to come hang out before or after the show, let me know. We'll be at this winery. And the thought was going through my head that there has got to be nothing worse than (laughs) sitting at a winery. At 16 years old, a winery. Yeah, sitting at a wine, sorry, a wine bar with your dad and your stepmom while they imbibe and you are stuck drinking ginger beer Mm -hmm. all night. And so I texted Emily and I said, hey, remember that show that you and I were going to go to? It's tonight. 
what if I took Cole instead of you? Would you be mad? And she was said, I don't even know who's playing tonight, so you should definitely take <laughs> yeah. Cole instead. And so I called your dad back and I said, hey, I got an idea. How do you feel about me taking Cole to this concert? And I think I probably lied to him and I said, it's in a safe part of town. You've got nothing to worry about. He's going to be with me. It's not a big deal. If he wants to go, ask him. And I remember him. I think you guys were in the car headed to St. Louis and he turned around and he said, hey, Matthew's going to a concert. Do you? And before he could even finish the sentence, you said, yes, 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 please. Yes. (laughs) It was so much fun. And I remember, you know, it's funny because when we both look back on this, we're probably both experiencing the same thing. But this is like the first time you and I hung out solo. Yeah. And I took you to the show and I remember telling Emily beforehand, I'm just like, I hope that it's not going to be weird if I ask him to take a picture with me because like, I think this will up my street cred if I can get a cool high school kid who thinks that I'm cool and wants me to take a picture with him. And so I remember we like sat in for a little bit of the opener and then we went outside for a little bit because the opener wasn't quite as exciting as we had hoped. Yeah. And I was like, hey, like, can we, is it cool if we take a picture together? And you were like, yeah, for sure. And so we took a picture together and we went in and watched the headliner and it was phenomenal and was just really fun. And I remember like sending Emily the picture just being like, Cole thinks I'm cool. Yes, yes, (laughs) for sure. Uh, Yeah. And I I remember like that just being like, I think that that was also a time, you know, because I like didn't know that much about St. Louis because I was really only going up there because, you know, my dad's law firm, you know, we're taking depositions up there probably like at least once or twice a month. And if they all split, if his partner split this apartment three ways and paid for it, then it'd be like like a whole month's rent for each of them would be cheaper than a hotel room up there. So that's when I really started coming to St. Louis and kind of like getting into like the city and stuff. But then I remember you were the one that kind of took me around and like showed me, you know, like this is what like the young hit people do around here and (laughs) and me being like, okay, maybe, you know, there's something like to this city. And then that's probably ultimately like just going up there and hanging out, you know, with my dad up there, my family up there, and then hanging out with you up there was like the thing to where I was kind of like, when I was deciding where I wanted to go to school, I was like, I think that's a place that I could like handle on my own. You know what I mean? It's not, it's not a huge city, but it's definitely like 10 times bigger than what I live in right now. So it it felt like the, like the perfect transitional phase in my life to like get me to that. The other show that you and I went to was the Noah Gunderson show. It was also at off Broadway and Kelly, don't worry. That neighborhood is is still pretty good. Um, (laughs) It's just a little sketchy in a couple blocks. Yeah, we were fine though. No issues. We were totally fine. But I remember we went to that concert and I had some friends who were college age because of where I worked with the church. And so you had me who was, you know, I'm in my late twenties. We had some friends who were in their early to mid 20s who were at this concert who were college age. And then we had you, who was a senior in high school at the time. And after the show, I said, Hey, why don't we go? Why don't we go to Uncle Bill's? And I, you were just like, yes, ending everything that I would say. And you're just like, yeah, let's do it. And so we went to, we went to Uncle Bill's and it's, you know, it's like 12, 31 o'clock in the morning. And it's like the perfect time to go to Uncle Bill's. If you're going to Uncle Bill's when the, when there's the sun up, you're doing it wrong. Like it is it's strictly a nighttime place or a, or early AM place. Yes, no doubt. I think that was that 
helped cement that, uh, okay, I can go to St. Louis because like, yes, it's nice to know the good places to go, but it's also good to know the off the beaten path spots to go to. Yeah, for sure. Cole started college last year in St. Louis in a much different environment from his roots in Southern Illinois. I'm going to Webster University. It's in Webster Groves, which is a little, uh, I guess you consider like a suburb almost of St. Louis, Missouri. I study philosophy with an emphasis in ethics and social justice. We'll probably be adding a political science double major to that just because I have the credits for it. And it's also something that I'm very interested in. So my first semester of college was Honestly, I would I would probably consider one of the most like intellectually liberating times in my life just because, you know, I went to this school not knowing nearly anyone. Well, actually, I didn't know a single person like no one from my high school was going there. So I just kind of went up there with really, uh, I don't know if I had that many expectations for it. I definitely had some of what I wanted to like learn up there, but I really didn't have any of like the social expectations because it was just something entirely new. In like the academic sphere, it was really, really nice, you know, to go from like sitting in a building for eight hours a day with a lunch break to having days where you could have three or four classes and then days where I just have one that maybe started at noon, you know, so it's kind of like you have a lot more flexibility of your own time and schedule to kind of figure out who you are and also socialize and get your work done and things like that. One thing that I was super appreciative of of Webster was that they have these things called learning communities to where you have about a set of three classes. You have those three classes with the same people. So it kind of is able to get you to know people really well and just feel comfortable with your classmates in a lot of your classes. And some of my best friends that I still have, I gained through that. And those classes were super interesting because obviously with my emphasis, I was in the social justice learning community. And so that consisted of a class on social movements. It it consisted of a class on contemporary moral problems. And then it also consisted of a class that was wholly about, uh, it was titled Black Lives Matter. And it was really a study of black power movements throughout the ages, but also ones that were pretty localized in the St. Louis area. So that was super interesting and probably one of the most rewarding classes I've ever had the pleasure of taking in my lifetime. When I went to college, I had a real in-over-my-head moment in a music theory class. Day one was treble clef, and I thought, all right, cool, I got this. Day two was bass clef, and I thought, oh no, it's already moving too fast. Did you have any experiences with that in class settings where you felt pretty confident going in and then... Maybe it wasn't day two for you, but there was a there was a point where you said, man, like I thought I had a handle on this and college is drastically different from my high school experience. Yeah, and mine actually was first day, which was kind of funny because we started on a Monday and it just so happened that Monday was my busiest day. And somehow, so through just like talking to my academic advisor at the time, but who is also the head of the philosophy department when I was creating my schedule, you know, he kind of asked me like, what I had read in philosophy, how much I knew. And I felt like for a senior in high school at that time, I had a pretty decent hold of 
the subject because I had to do it all myself and learn about it because it definitely was not the American education system that taught me about philosophy. Yeah, so he put me in this class that was, it was about early modern European philosophers. So from like Rene Descartes to Immanuel Kant. And I remember going in the first day as a freshman, first semester, and about every single one in that class, except for one other kid, was either like a junior or a senior. And I was... And so like, you know, I start talking to these people before the professor comes in and I'm starting to get a little bit nervous, you know, I'm like, what have I gotten myself into? And the professor comes in and it was a night class. So it was from 5.30 to 8.30 p.m., a three hour class. And it was in the what appeared to be like an upstairs bedroom of an old house because that the, this philo- the philosophy and English department are in an old house on campus. The sun is going down. I'm in this old room with just like some desks and a whiteboard in this old bedroom. And the professor comes in and he's like, all right, just open your notebooks. I guess we'll get started. And he goes through like in the matter of three hours, like everything from the pre-Socratics all the way up to Rene Descartes where we're starting in the matter of three hours. And I remember like sweating, just trying to get all of these (laughs) notes down. And after I got out of that class, I think I called my dad and I was like, I have no idea what I'm going to do. Luckily though, I was able to keep on top of that class. And I think I, I ended up doing fairly well and then I got an A in it. But I remember that first day just going in and seeing these like juniors and seniors getting ready to learn about this really hard stuff because the class was primarily focused not only on these couple of thinkers, but their metaphysics and epistemology specifically. And that was something, you know, that I hadn't really gotten into because if you buy a lot of philosophy books from like Barnes and Noble, you know, it's going to be like, what is the meaning of life? Do we actually exist? And this stuff was like, what is the fundamental layer of reality of the universe? And how can we prove that through linguistics and geometry? So, (laughs) you know, just a Monday night. Yeah, just a regular average Monday night. There were often times to where I would come back from that class and like go up to my lounge on my floor where all my friends are hanging out and just be absolutely ranting about like why time and space don't exist and how Immanuel Kant can (laughs) prove that through his metaphysics and epistemology and just like absolutely just like yelling about it. I looked like a conspiracy theorist connecting the dot to my friends, (laughs) but just absolutely like yelling about how much this class was blowing my brain apart. How did things develop for you on a social level? When you look back on that first semester at Webster. It's kind of funny. So I remember like move-in day, you know, get all the stuff set up. You know, it's been like three or four hours. You know, I've been to eat with my family. They've helped move me into my place, you know. And I remember just like standing in my dorm room after everything was kind of done. And, you know, they were just like, well have fun, good luck, stay out of trouble, and I guess we'll see you soon. (laughs) And then they just left, and me kind of feeling like, what do I do now? (laughs) Because I'm just like, (laughs) on my own, I don't really know anyone. Luckily, I was hooked, uh, I like got set up with a super cool roommate that was super nice, super chill guy. I loved him. He's still my friend to this day. That was one really big step for like me getting comfortable and acclimated to my space was just having a person to live with that was super chill and super fun. Honestly, like I said, that learning community really helped me like gain a lot of friends, which I was super thankful for because I had no idea how I was going to make friends, which I've always been a pretty social person. You know, I've always had a friend group and like to go out and do things. And for someone with anxiety like mine, it's really surprising how I'm able to make friends. But uh, yeah, and then also just like living in a residence hall and just living around a bunch of people that are, I mean, you know, it's kind of a weird 
thing that we like think it's like a weird idea to be like, you know what we should do? Stick a bunch of 19 to 20 year olds all in one building together and see, (laughs) see how they can live. You know, you figure it out and just like living around people, you know, and just having people be like, Hey, we got pizza. There's some leftover. We put it in the fridge. If anyone wants some or like, Hey, we're playing video games in our room tonight. You know, we're having a smash brothers tournament, like come over, hang out, eat some food, you know? But also like going to just like freshman orientation events, you know, and I remember some people being like, oh, these are going to be so lame, you know, things, these are going to suck, you know, but like going to those and just like putting yourself out there and socializing with people is really how I gained a lot of my super close friends. And then it also seemed like, you know, we would have like a get together, a hangout, a kickback or whatever. And our friends would meet people in their other classes and be like, Oh, I met these people in my, this, in this, in this class, can I bring them and just be like, yeah, sure. Bring whoever. And so just like using your small group of friends, meeting their friends, meeting their friends, you know, and just gaining people like that from like August, like, you know, cause it's about been a year it was really just like uh, gaining those people and just attending things like going to like a game night or going. I remember one night we had a like BYOB cereal event, bring your own bowl. And like they just had like a whole buffet of cereals, every kind of milk you can imagine, you know, and just like hanging out from at like 9 to 10 p.m. every late at night, you know, everyone just eating cereal and hanging out. It really was difficult to leave that all behind, you know, because you've just spent so many months of your life getting used to these people, getting like from all these different walks of life and just becoming friends with them and, you know, sharing your experiences with them, laughing with them, crying with them, going through the good times and the hard times. And then just like immediate, like you're all being sent home. So it was super, super weird for that to happen. Do you remember like the, the time frame of coronavirus was starting to become a thing and you're trying to figure out what are you going to do? And then college starts making decisions. Can you talk a little bit about that time frame? I was actually on spring break because the way that my school does semesters is it's like eight weeks break, eight weeks break. And so we were in, we had just finished up our first eight weeks of the of the spring semester and I was actually at home, but I remember I had, I had like stayed throughout the weekend because I think that, you know, after the, like our midterms on Friday, you know, everyone was going to go home for the week, you know, and then come back the following week. But I remember there were some things that I wanted to do with my friends up there. We were hanging out and then uh, I was going to go home for a couple of days. And I think on like the Wednesday of my spring break, I was going to come back up because some of my friends from my hometown wanted to go to a drag show up at Hamburger Mary's in St. Louis. And so I went with some, like introduced them to some of my St. Louis friends and we all went together. We were on spring break and I remember we got an email from our school that was like, uh, we're shutting down for a bit. And at first it was only going to be a couple weeks. I can't remember when we were going to go back. I think maybe, um, I think since it was about the middle of March, I think that we like agreed that sometime in early April, people were going to be able to move back in. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, this, this will be fine. But then like by the end of spring break, you know, on like a day by day basis, we were getting emails from our school. And before we knew it, it was like, we're shutting down, we're moving to online, you know, you, you have a single day to come and get all of your stuff from your dorm room and just move out. 
I was pretty devastated, you know, because for me, you know, going to school is something I really care about. And I hope that I'm in school for quite a bit more time after I get this degree, just because I really like it. And it's something that I feel I'm pretty decent at. But I remember just like the shock of just like being like, like I thought I had until May, but now, you know, it's like within three days, I have to drive up to my dorm room and turn in my keys. My roommate was from Minnesota, so I don't even, I didn't even get to like say a formal goodbye to him. I just remember coming in there with all of his stuff still there and just cleaning out my side of the room with my dad and then a friend from Webster who'd help me. And I remember just giving my friend a from Webster a hug that helped me and being like, I guess I'll see you again sometime. I'm not sure when, but... Me and my dad uh, drove up there separately, and I remember like driving out of the city in St. Louis. And I remember I was coming out uh, around probably like the Bush Stadium type area and seeing the arch. And then it, I was just like tears came from my eyes, and I just like bawled in my car from like Bush Stadium all the way until I got into like the Illinois side, like through the bridge, and just being devastated because I had no idea because. As someone who like lived in this town for a really long time and I like had always had this vision of just like getting up and getting out and going and starting my own way in the world because I knew that the world was much bigger than the town that I lived in. And it felt like for those few months that I was at school that that was like happening. And then it just seemed like everything that I had like set up for myself in life and like wanted to achieve was like being canceled or taken away and this it was really a sense of like just confusion and just not knowing what was going to happen next which is really what this whole situation still feels like where have you found yourself cutting loose or being goofy through all of this really uh just like i don't know i i often send which you probably receive some too just some really really goofy and out there snapchats to friends just when i get an idea whether it be me um dancing violently to 100 gex in my room or (laughs) um you know a hundred gecks is a band for those yes, of you yes, who are old yes. like me. Stream them, stream them. They're good, good stuff. But um, <laughs> but or you know, just like putting on a record of like you know Dr. Dre's The Chronic and like when no one's home and just turning that thing up until the walls of the house are shaking and just <laughs> having a good time with that. You know what I mean? So it's funny to me to to see the breadth of your musical taste <laughs> to see you go from very what I would consider very strange or weird bands like a hundred Gex or death grips is another yeah. band that, that you love and to see it go from there to, to stuff that I'm sure is heavily influenced by your dad's musical taste, whether yeah. it's Snoop Dogg or Dre or Tribe Called Quest, uh-huh. bands like that, yeah. to see that sort of influence. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this too because I knew this topic was going to come up. And like my music taste is notorious amongst anyone that's close in my lifetime. Like if I get the aux cord in a car, it's pretty much over for everyone. <laughs> uh, but I think that it's just, and especially now, you know, just being in quarantine and like, having really nothing to do it's i think that 
my music taste really centers around just things that grab my attention. If I find something to me to just sound like background music, I think there's a place and time for that. But I like to be an active listener when I'm listening to music. And so I really just enjoy pieces of music that grab your attention, whether they be dark, whether they be, you know, like pretty jarring, you know, something like Death Grips, you know, to where it's super in your face and loud and noisy. But something like that just really commands your attention and draws you in and just says, I'm going to make you listen to this and pay attention to this and doesn't let you go until the end is really stuff that I enjoy. And I think that that's why I like a wide breadth of music is because I just want it to be interesting and grab my attention and just not be background music, essentially. I think if I had to use two words to describe your wide-ranging taste in music, that the two words I would use would be abrasive and captivating. Yes, yes, I would agree. Because I think that good art should wake you up from something, and it should like, mm. ar- like just create a feeling in you, whether that be, you know, uh, disgust, whether it be anger, whether it be confusion sometimes, maybe in the case of you listening to 100 Gex, uh, <laughs> or whether it be joy and happiness or uh, just having a good time. You know, like I think that one of the reasons I like listening to like Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg uh, is like the, their two first records just like create this immaculate vibe of just like a laid back party. And I just think that being able to create a space and a feeling like where you can just feel like you're in a different world with your music is something that's super important to me. Yeah. It's interesting. The older that I get, the more that, uh, that my go-to music tends to not be abrasive and captivating, Mm -hmm. which is why I depend on you so heavily to keep me in tune with music. But I feel like there's, I, at least I hope there's some reciprocation in that you seek out my taste in music oh absolutely too. too yeah and the the older that i've gotten the more that i've looked at art really as a whole to be more of a a soothing and meditative and like take because i feel like so much of my world is abrasive and captivating yeah. that i kind of need art to remove it myself from that and so artists that I've been really into recently have been people like Brian Eno and Teen Days and bands like that who are making, uh, Brian Eno calls his own music, ambient music. Mm-hmm. This, this, this place where you can listen to it and you don't have to pay attention to it. And there's something really comforting about that, that I can put that on and not really pay attention to it, but subconsciously it's, it's doing its work and, yeah. and, yeah. and soothing me and, and, and bringing me to a place where I can bring that into my abrasive environment uh-huh. and make it more calm and where I'm breathing better. Yeah. Which I also, uh, like digest some of that music too i mean probably pretty high up there with a band that you introduced me to that i really really love their work is Tycho and their music because their music almost is like so a lot of like ambient music that i listen to or things like that is i would put that on like while i'm doing homework so like if i'm doing reading for philosophy i could put on something like brian eno or maybe even like some classical music, like Chopin is uh, a classical artist that I'm really, really into while reading. But then I noticed that when I'm doing more like 
problem solving and logic. So like if I'm solving a math problem, something like Tycho with those syncopated beats, you know, and that driving like rhythm, but also still just really no words to it. And just kind of being some ambient calming noises is really, really beneficial to me for like problem solving and things of that nature. What have you been creating? What is what has been the kind of stuff you've been working on? Oh man, uh, I don't know. I just like to try to like create music that I would enjoy listening to, which is you know usually the stuff that's kind of jarring and kind of out there. Uh, but really, a lot of the stuff that I create just kind of starts with an experiment. So just me being like, you know. Like sometimes if I'm working at Walmart and listening to an album, I'll be like, Oh, I really like what they did with that synthesizer there. Or I really like that drum beat that they did there. I'm going to see if I can try to create something kind of similar to that. And then just kind of building off of that. And also just really experimenting with the different sounds and things that you can get because one of the things I think that's super cool about my generation is how accessible music is to everyone now, because I mean, even if you can't afford to paying for something like a streaming service, you can still jump on something like YouTube and listen to a 30 second ad and still get whatever kind of music you want at your disposal. But like I was saying, one of the things that I really like about like a program like logic is just the endless sound library almost that you can get to it. And I mean, then you can start going in and playing with the dynamics of things and, you know, twisting knobs and pushing buttons to just get the weirdest sounds you can imagine. And trying to make something out of those is really like what I try to, what I try to do in mine. And really I don't, I don't do music for like, you know, any kind of clout or anything like that. I don't really care if anyone's listening. I just do it because I feel like there is a project in me that I want to get out or something creative in me that I just want to lay out and just almost like testing my capabilities. A lot of times when I'm working a logic track is just seeing purely what I currently have the skills to do and create. What is school at Webster going to look like in the fall? We get to go back as far as I know. I've got a move-in date for my dorm room and stuff. They're giving everyone a single room, but luckily... Oh, interesting. Yeah, luckily I didn't have to worry about that because I had already signed up for a single room before this even like became a thing, you know, because sophomores had the option for that in that do- in that dorm hall. And I didn't really have anyone that I necessarily wanted to room with. And I just kind of liked the idea of having a room to myself too on campus. So mine is exactly the same as what I signed up for, but they're somehow dividing people up into their own rooms and stuff like that. And as far as I know, I think that I think that some they're going to try to make it to where some classes meet in person and then some are mostly online. But the good thing about Webster is that the average class size is like 10 to 15 students anyways. So do you imagine 
that life will be anywhere close to normal by the time you go back to school? It's hard to think of it as being anywhere close to normal right now. I feel like maybe second semester, that's when things will start to look more like normal. Academics and stuff like that might not look too different, you know what I mean? But I think that a lot of college students, and especially me, if speaking for myself, rely on a social aspect to just keep them almost mentally sane with that mountain of work. Cause I know that I would always feel better after being in the library, reading hard philosophy for four hours straight, just like seeing my friends and just like sitting in a social lounge and just hanging out or going to someone's dorm room. And so without that, I, I really get concerned about the future of like college students, mental health in this atmosphere. Yeah. Do you think creating any sort of bubble-like capacity is there? Do you imagine that they could be restrictive on who enters and who leaves and how often you enter? Yeah, I definitely think so. I mean, I think that we're not going to be able to have visitors or anything in our dorm halls, and we have desk attendants and things like that, and I'm sure our RAs will be on patrol for that too. So that is something that's pretty concerning to me is that, you know, the life on social life on campus will just be completely out the window. All right, dude. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. No problem. I'm excited to listen to this. It's going to be fun. Uh Uh-huh. All right. I'll see you later, man. See you, dude. If you have an extra minute, it would really mean a lot to me if you shared this podcast with your friends on social media. My hope with this show is that I can bring just a little bit of joy and inspiration to the world. And if you've experienced that yourself, I hope you'll let people know. Thanks for listening. We'll have a new episode up on Wednesday.